welcome to a relaunch of the Healing Out Loud podcast with me, your host, Jackie Shea. I believe that if you want to overcome obstacles and thrive in life, then fierce self-advocacy and hopeful connection through shared experience are necessary ingredients. Healing Out Loud is designed to bring you just that, relatable, inspiring voices that have made it through their darkest days to ultimate triumph by advocating for themselves and engaging with empowering self-care tools. I want you to start thriving today. If you like what you hear and want more, there are three ways you can stay in touch with me. You can follow me on Instagram at Jackie. join my newsletter at JackieShay.com or contact me directly through JackieShay.com to see how I can meet your specific needs. I also have an offering right now. And if you are interested in deepening your knowledge of trauma, I have a special complimentary offering happening right now. Write to me through my website and I will hook you up. Today, I am speaking with the author of High Vibe Feng Shui, 11 Steps to Achieving Your Best Life, Ashley Cantley. She is passionate about living well and helping others do the same through the ancient principles of feng shui. Her modern practice pulls from traditional Chinese medicine, shamanism, Ayurveda, and current studies of energetics to design a life of abundance. As a certified feng shui expert and a red ribbon professional, which is the highest recognition, through the International Feng Shui Guild. She has worked with celebrity clients and has been featured as a go-to source for media outlets such as Bravo TV and Real Simple. Hi, Ashley. Hi. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited. What a bio you have. Thanks. (laughs) It's awesome. Um, And I'm obsessed with your new book. It is actually beautiful. I mean, can we just look on video? If you're watching this on video, you can see how gorgeous it is. I want to frame every single page. (laughs) No, it was, it was a collaboration to make it happen. And it's, it is so beautiful. When I saw it, I was like, Oh my God. Wow. Really, really it is. So, and it may, and I'm just like, of course this person is like a feng shui expert. Look at this book. Um, so I want to start by saying that we're going to talk about your book, but we're also going to dive into some heavy material today. So trigger warning up front about halfway through this episode, we're going to, um, talk about a tragic loss that Ashley experienced in 2020. Um, and it might be challenging for some folks and it might not be. And I will remind you when we get there that it's happening, um, so I just want to say that up front and how, and how Ashley, how you're using your tools to move through your grief. Um, so let's start with a little bit of background on what turned you on to feng shui. Yeah. Um, I feel like people always find their spiritual practice in like crisis moments. So of course I was going through like a messy breakup. I was unemployed, like as an artist and working in the entertainment industry, you know, jobs come and go. Um, and I lost some friends along the way. And I just was like, I have to change my life. What can I do? And then I was like, oh, I know what I need to do. I need to change my space. And it was just like, I just somehow knew that if I changed my space, I could change my life. And because when I was like looking around my space, it was just a mess. And so I was having trouble finding like a resource for feng shui that I love. So I kind of just pieced together all the information I could. 
and started feng shuiing my space. It was in New York City. And then within the year, literally my life changed. I met the love of my life. If I got my dream job, I traveled the world. I mean, it was, and then I got pregnant too. And it was the best year of my life. And since then through all of life's like bumps and, you know, I don't know if you swear on the show, so I won't. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, we do. Yeah. We I was going to say through the shit, I turned back to feng shui like over and over again to kind of like find happiness, achieve my goals, to balance my life, to, to feel good. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. So you really came by feng shui intuitively. You, yeah. it sounds like you had a thought that was like, if I change my space, I could change my life. You know, what's weird is I feel like everyone's kind of aware of feng shui. So I don't even know why it came to me. Like I need to feng shui, but yeah, I just knew like I needed to change the energy in my life. And somehow I remembered feng shui. Right. So the energy in your life. So I want to yeah. talk about that. What is modern feng shui? Yeah. So my book is not like a style guide. I'm not telling you how to design your, I mean, I'm giving you principles, energetic principles to change the energy flow in your space to ultimately enhance your personal energy, because that's what it's about. So I always tune back into the self while I'm practicing feng shui. So it's like modern feng shui is changing everything in your environment to increase your personal energy. So my book is is a very simple guide, step-by-step guide to changing your energy through small tweaks to your space, journal prompts, meditations, things like that. Yeah. I love that. You actually say that the main goal of feng shui is to enhance your personal energy. Yeah. And so, you know, you can Google or you can follow a different feng shui expert and it's an art as much of it as is a science. So someone else, you know, might have a totally different take. I tend to always, so, you know, some people will focus just on the home and design things, but I cannot forget the fact that it's all about our intuition and how we feel and how our energy, it's all about, I approach it from the angle of like, it's all about us and how we feel in our intuition. And then I work around that. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, tell me about your intuition. So you actually say in the book, we talk about, you talk about intuition, you talk about listening to your inner voice. You know, you talk about these really deep, meaningful, um, topics. And I wonder how you, you actually say that feng shui and I'm not quoting, but you say something about how feng shui gave you a direct line of, um, communication with your intuition that you felt you, you deepened your relationship with your intuition through feng shui. So can you talk about how and why that happened for you? I feel like, you know, we all start off with intuition and we're all tapped into it, especially as children. And then along the way, your parents come in and tell you, no, don't do this. No, you can't do that. Then you go to school and you have to like get in line. And then, you know, so for me, literally was a 10 year process of like, tapping back into what feels good to me. Like that's how I experience my intuition. It's like based on how it makes me feel. So for instance, if I, I say there are no rigid rules in my practice because I'm saying like, you know, if you want to 
let's just say like ignite your passion in your relationship. And I'm like, bring in red. And you're like, I hate red with, you know, that's part of your intuition too, knowing what you like and don't like, and then being able to, well, what feels good to me? Maybe hot pink. That feels good to me. So I'm going to go with what I feel is right for me. It's always like you're using your intuition as a guide and not, you're not like designing your life and your home based on rules that I tell you. Right. Right. So a part of feng shui from your approach is really about knowing yourself. You have to know yourself. You have to be enough attuned with your body. And I think this might be what you're saying that the way feng shui deepened your intuition is that now you spent so you spend so much time looking at things being like, does that, do I love that color? Do I not love that color? Do I love that vase? Do I, how does that vase make me feel? How does that make me feel? Maybe you spend so much time with that, that at this point, you're really able to just go, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Yeah. And it even extends to like people. What does those people in my environment do to my energy? Or what does the food in my fridge do to my energy? Or how do I feel when I'm, you know, whatever, anything that you're surrounded by, how do I feel when I'm sitting in my car? Does that feel good? So it's right. all about, so it's and, all about and, how do I feel? How do I feel in this environment? How do I feel in this office? How do I feel in the kitchen? How do I feel in my home? How do I feel in my relationship? How do I feel about yeah, be, everything? Because your emotion sets the level, your, you know, your vibe. If you're feeling depressed, you're going to walk out the door and you're going to be like depressed and probably closed off to new opportunities. But if you walk out the door and you're already feeling inspired and happy, you're going to be open to striking up conversation with someone. Maybe someone will invite you somewhere or offer you a job or, you know, who knows? So your emotion sets your vibe. And that's why it's important to really like focus on the energy that you surround yourself with. Right. And so you're brought, you brought up a great topic of like, it's not just the home and the colors and the stuff, it's the people and what's in your fridge and how your car feels. So describe, and you talk about this, your environment, what qualifies as a person's environment? So in my practice, because you can follow someone else and they would just say you're home, or maybe that's all they're interested in. For me, environment is every single thing you're surrounded by, including the things that you put on your body, the, you know, like down to, are you wearing leather? Like that holds energy. Are you, is your car a mess? Because your car will bring down your energy. So it's like every single thing that you personally come in contact with. That's how I define environment, your location of what city you live in, your friends, everything. Right. I love that. I love that. And you've mentioned a few times, um, clothes, food and refrigerator, right? So by the time this airs earth day will have passed, we're taping this the day before earth day. So I do want to touch on, you know, using the, the products we use to clean the food that we buy, the clothes that we wear, how, how does that impact our, our vibe? Yeah. Like, I mean, 
feng shui is so sometimes obvious in a way, like if you're using harsh chemicals and you're breathing in harsh chemicals and it makes you sick, that lowers your vibe. If you're scrubbing your floor with toxic chemicals and it's soaking through your feet, it lowers your vibe. If you're sleeping on a mattress with toxic chemicals, it bring down, you know, it lowers your vibe. I even go further and say, like, if you're wearing clothes made in a factory and people are miserable while they're making your clothes, like, what do you think that energy is when you're putting it on, you know, it's really important for my family and I to like shop sustainably, but also ethically where the people are happy because everything has energy from the beginning of creation until it comes into your space. Yeah. You even talk about what grocery stores are you shopping at? Are the people working at those stores? Are they happy? Are they being well compensated? I mean, you talk about, you know, the meat that we eat or don't eat. I mean, where are the vegetables grown? Are the gardeners happy? Do they like their job? You know, it, it, because every person who comes into contact with what we consume is, is going to have an impact on us. And, and now more than ever. Yeah. And even when you're cooking, it's like your state of mind and the way you feel while you're cooking, you can infuse your energy into other people. So like, it's always really important for me to like make food with love. If I'm giving it to my son or my husband or, you know, set setting intentions, um, and like setting the energy the way you want it before, you know, you spread it onto other people, I guess. Right. So do you ever misstep? Do you ever do things just for convenience? Oh my gosh, I do. Yeah. And then I have a lot of guilt about it a little bit. (laughs) Like I am so not into fast fashion. It's like really bad for the earth. And sometimes, sometimes I pick up a crappy pair of leggings from Walmart and then I'm like, (laughs) no, but you know, yeah, I think it's like, you can, you do the best you can. And that's all you can do. And every night I have a ritual where I forgive myself and my family for things that, you know, that I'm beating myself up over, like losing my temper or, you know, whatever it is, I forgive myself. And then I do my gratitude list. And then I set an intention for the evening sleep. Oh, I love that. I love that every evening you have a forgiveness practice. What does it look like? Like I'm laying in bed. (laughs) So my husband and I, this is going to sound so crazy, but we are spiritual. So we used to do like pray to the moon, but then we experienced loss and sort of got jaded. Um, So we stopped that practice. So we lay in bed and I personally in my head right before bed, forgive myself, forgive my husband, forgive my son for being annoying or whatever it is, you know? Mm. And then I run through my gratitude list and, um, yeah. And then I literally set my intention, like tonight, I want to maybe come to some realization about, you know, whatever it is I'm trying to work on. Oh, beautiful and simple, beautiful and simple and doable for people, for moms, for working moms, for all of us. It's actually a Kabbalah practice. That's where I got it. Oh, cool. I love that. So the environment you keep and then lifestyle, you say feng shui is a lifestyle in your practice, right? Oh yeah. 
So what's the lifestyle? So the lifestyle is being super intentional about everything that you bring into your life, like everything and being intentional about the energy that you send out. Like I was sending out a note to someone and it, and the note card had jagged edges. And I'm like, I can't send out this harsh jagged edged you know, energy. So I like got the scissors and rounded the edges. It's like literally everything I do, everything I surround myself with, I'm super intentional about it. And I'm, I try to be really conscious and stay in the moment and only bring things into my life that elevate my personal vibe. Yeah. The, the, what I'm getting from that is just that it's a really slowed down. You keep using the word intentional, but it's a, it's a really slowed down conscious way to live. Yeah. And you know, like as of September, I've even slowed it down even more. I feel like the more you can just really be present and like experience the world around you and take in like the birds flying by your window or just like have moments of pause, like the more in tune and in the flow that you could start to feel. Yeah. And you talk about the pause. We're going to get to that in just a minute. So, yeah. So here's, (laughs) I have a few, a few more questions on your book. Okay. So this, this kind of falls in line with, well, it does fall in line with us talking about intuition. What do you love? What feels good to you? What doesn't feel good to you? You can't walk into somebody's home and tell them exactly what to do because you need their input. What feels good to them. Right. And I think that's scary for a lot of people because a lot of people are actually really disconnected. There have been times, a time in my life in my early twenties when I was like, I don't know, I don't know, you know? So I love that this is a practice of really getting to know who you are. And I wonder how much, when you say that the only thing you need to style your home is your style, right? Like there's no hard rule. You have you in your book, you definitely talk about feng shui do's and don'ts you do, but, but you also say there are no hard rules. So I'm wondering, do you think that's harder for people with social media's influence? I really, really do. It's funny because I was actually doing a talk at a bookstore and someone's like, but just tell me what the, like you rules you absolutely can't break in feng shui. I'm like, I can't tell you that. It's about how you feel. You could break every rule you want. If it truly makes you feel good. Like I do think people just kind of want to be told what to do, but it's never going to align with your authentic self. It's easy to create a space that's pretty or that's perfect. But if it doesn't have the energy, like the intention that you want it to have, if it doesn't feel good to you, then it's going to do, it's not going to serve you and the person that you want to become. Right. And I think we're inundated on social media with images of like, you know, what's right and what's wrong when it comes to styling your home. Like I'm in the wellness world. So the people I follow have very specific taste. Okay. It's like the way a wellness world person decorates their home feels very like, um, just similar across the board. Yeah. And there can be like, heavy influence. Like, Oh, if I, if I do this, this way, do I not look like a person that's interested in wellness? Like, I think that I just wonder how much it gets in our psyche. My gosh, honestly. So when we talk about my loss, that kind of like, I was on that train 
of like, this is what you're supposed to do because this is what everyone on social media is doing. And then I, and then I experienced my loss and I was like, whoa, 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 let's like, I took a huge pause in my life to get back to who I am. I read poetry. Like I connected to my like inner little Ashley, like deep down to figure out what actual path did I want to go down? Was I living authentically? Did I love my life? Like what now I'm like, what was I doing before? You know, it's so Mm -hmm. easy to get influenced. And it's like, I struggled with that a lot too, because I love pop culture. Like I love a good, you know, Kardashian episode, but then I'm also like spiritual and I'm like, how do I come to terms with this? It's just like, you just be yourself and that's it. And, you know, if you're living authentically, if your home's designed the way you love, it will raise your vibe. And then you don't have to worry about what other people think, or, you know, it's about how you feel, not what other people think. Beautiful. Yeah. And you're making me think of, um, TV. Like when you talk about everything you come into contact with is your environment. So it's like what you're watching on TV, it's getting in there. We all know this, right? We know this for years and often I still make choices that don't feel good. Um, and they're not reality TV. They're like something about crime that ends up like (laughs) ruining me for a week, you know? But it's like, we make those choices. You talk about the phone, you know, like what contacts do you have in your phone saved that don't feel good to you? Um, Look, who do you follow on social media? Whose stuff do you see all the time? Is it in alignment? Does it, does it make you feel bad about yourself? Does it make you feel good about yourself? All of that stuff. And you know what? Like sometimes this is what you have to do. Like you'll be scrolling on social media, you'll see something, or at least I, I'll see something. I'll get off my phone and I'm like, oh my God, I feel so depressed. And then you have to kind of like work. Why do I feel depressed? And then it's like, oh my God, I feel depressed because I saw this thing. It's sometimes hard to remember what's like bringing you down, but like the more you can become aware of it, then the, you know, you can do the work to filter that out. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I do that working backwards too. Absolutely. So you do, we're talking about all of these deeper concepts that you absolutely mentioned in your book, but, but, but we're also in your book, there are many helpful hints, tips, and tricks, right? So let's give a little taste of your toolbox. You have a function toolbox in your book. What's a, what's a tip you want to, what's something from your feng shui, uh, feng shui toolbox that you just want to give us today? Yeah. It's funny. Cause people think like, Oh, I can't do feng shui. A it's like Asian decor and bamboo, or it's like really complicated, but really it's as simple as fresh flowers, bring fresh, fr- fresh flowers into your house. It'll make you feel happy. Um, plants like plants is part of my toolbox because plants have hold a lot of energy because they're alive. So they could uplift your energy. They could ground you crystals. If you love crystals, bring in crystals into your space. I always have crystals on me. Um, Swarovski crystals, which I love colors, like, you know, simply changing out the color of your pillows, like going on Amazon and buying like, um, you know, just new pillow covers can totally completely shift the energy of a space. It's simple colors you love. Yeah. Opening the windows, adding light, you know, adding a mirror to expand a room. If you live in a small space. Right. 
Right. I love all of that. And so here's a question for me, a very selfish question, (laughs) but that I think people will relate to. What do you do when your husband doesn't abide by the same space feng shui that you feel like I feel I feel feng shui when it's really tidy and organized. I shouldn't say I feel feng shui. I feel a lift in my energy when the space is tidy and organized and clean and not cluttered and very specific. And Ian feels none of that. He's just kind of like clutter is cool. (laughs) What do you do? Okay. Well, what I would do. Okay. Oops, sorry about that. Okay, what I would do is set yourself up for success. So we have a problem in my house too. I live with two boys who are very messy. So I get baskets and nothing's organized in the baskets and I throw everything in the darn basket. Instead of like trying to hang my clothes in the closet because we know that doesn't happen, I'll throw it in a drawer. Like, you know, you have to set, you have to do like help yourself, like help him, give him the tools. Sometimes like I place plants or crystals on the countertop where clutter seems to accumulate because then it like kind of stops you for a second or fresh flowers by the door. It's like, to be honest, I'm usually cleaning up after my people in my house. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, as much as you can help them, you know, give them an easy, like my husband, this is not a good function. Let me tell you, like, you definitely have to clean your closets. You can't just throw stuff in a closet and be like done because your subconscious is like, oh my God, that closet, you know, every time you walk by it. But my husband has this like secret hideaway thing. And I don't even look in there, but anytime he cleans, he'll throw it in there. And I'm like, okay, it looks clean. And then one day I'll discover it's all. So, I mean, it's a struggle, but you do what you have to do. So it's like, you're just not going to get it perfect. Yeah, no, it's never perfect. And it's just all about what you can live with. You know, like I break feng shui rules all the time to do to, I break the rules when the other thing feels better to me. You break the rules when the other thing feels better to me. So like in my bedroom, I have slanted ceilings. If you read my book, slanted ceilings, it's an energy block. But the ideal situation in feng shui for a bedroom is having a nice sturdy bed frame so that energy can circulate around your bed and restore you while you sleep. But I hate my slanted ceiling. So I got rid of my bed frame and I put my bed on the floor, even though I know that's a, that's a block, it feels better to me. So that's what I'm choosing to do. Right, right, right. Cause it feels that you're like, even though this is a rule, this is what feels better to me. Yeah. So yeah. More, so more intuition, more intuition. Mm-hmm. And, and, and speaking of partners and family, you talk about naming your home. Mm-hmm. in the book. And I love that so much because we, we bought this place and I really shouldn't say that. I mean, someone bought this, a family member helped us buy this place, right? <laughs> it was like in, um, a year ago. And so since moving in and really having our own home, I, I have been saying, it really feels like this home is a part, like a member of our family. You know, it it feels like its own standing member and you want to treat that member of your family with so much love and respect. So I really love that you talked about 
that kind of relationship. Yeah. And it's like, of going back to, to helping keep things clean. When you like are so intentional about your space and you have everything in your home that you love, you tend, I noticed that my family and I tend to keep things like in better shape when everything we love, like this dresser, we're not going to put stuff up here because we love it. And then like in terms of naming your home. So a good exercise is deciding what you want your home to do for you. Like my home, I want it to be fun and playful. And I just want my son to just be so super happy. So then I'm like, what name makes us feel so happy? I'm like, Bernadette. Bernadette is a good name. (laughs) So that's kind of how you can figure out a name for your home. And it's like, you know, when you think beyond your home, like, where you live. That is like a character in your life. Like when I think about New York city, it's like, I talk about New York city. I lived there for 15 years, like a person, you know, Yeah, that's just how much your environment affects you. Right. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love all of that. It's really beautiful. Um, so you brought up subconscious when you were talking about walking past things, subconscious is something we talked about on last month's episode a lot, subconscious and old beliefs and, and beliefs that aren't serving us. And you talk about it a lot in, in, um, in your book. So how does subconscious play a role in the work you do? Yeah. So, you know, most people, I would say most people live their life and you only spend what, like 5% in your conscious brain. So people spend time in their home and they hate their home, but they're not really thinking that they hate their home. They're just living their life. But in the back of their head, they know they hate this room and it drags down their energy. Like everything you do should be triggers to get to your subconscious brain to make different, take different actions. So your home should be designed to support you to take the actions that you want to take, whether that's like incorporating a yoga practice. We'll have the yoga mat set out. So when you walk by it, your subconscious brain is like, Oh wait, yoga, let's do it. You know, because we move through our days in autopilot or, you know, you're, you set up a space that's inspiring to you so that you, your subconscious is triggered to like create a new, some, a writing or whatever it is that you're working on. It's like all about getting in, in, um, triggering your subconscious brain to take different actions and maybe even to think different things. Yeah. Um, this is just such like a side note, but I worked at Martha Stewart for many years and she always said like, in terms of aging better, you're you're supposed to like change up the way you do things because it keeps your mind active, Mm. you know, like go a different way to work or just change up your routine, change your space up. It's like stimulating your brain in a, in a different way. Mm, That's really interesting. Yeah. Cause once we're doing habit, we're doing habit, right? Once we're in our habits, we're not even, we don't even have to think about it anymore. So when we break driving and I'm like, Oh my God. Like, I don't even, did I run a stoplight? I don't remember because my subconscious was doing it. Like, right. Right. Autopilot. Totally. And on a similar note, you talk about mantras in your book and I love it because, and I'm sure there are people that are like mantras. Oh God, I don't, I don't like need a mantra to say, or mantra seems so out there. And it's really like, I love that you talk about, we are all we all have mantras that we're walking around with every day. The mantra, I am not enough. The mantra, I'm too busy. The mantra, I don't have enough time, 
right? The, these are the, I'm not loved. I'm not lovable. We're what we're saying these all day long. So we just need to get some new ones. Yeah. We need to create our own mantras. And like, if you're someone who is shy sometimes about saying mantras, you could find really cool mantras on YouTube. Like I literally play mantras for my plants to help them feel like soak in some good energy. I talk to my plants. Oh, you're so pretty. Keep growing. And, um, like even when my dog was sick, so they say like, when you, you speak the mantras, when you play mantras, like it could soak into your walls, the energy, your space is holding the energy. So if you're like shy about saying it or just play it on your phone, like find a good mantra on YouTube, Sanskrit mantras are like super high vibration. Um, I used to play them for my dog when my dog was really sick to help raise his energy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, what's so special about this book is that, and your the way you work with feng shui is that (laughs) it's not a situation where it's like feng shui will fix you. Yes. Move that plant and you're good. Or yes, clear your doorway and you're good. It's like, no, you have to do the work on your whole life, your inner world, your outer world. It is not a one plant fix all one color fix all situation, but that's what a lot of people want a quick fix. And I, and that's why people are like, what do I need to do for feng shui? (laughs) Right. But it's like, you're saying, and, but the truth is that across the board, usually it's not a quick fix. It's effort. Yeah. And you know what? Like I try to be really honest. I've gotten more real, I would say since experiencing my loss in that I can't pretend that my life is perfect. It's not like I suffered a major loss and I was really depressed and I had panic and I had anxiety. And I was like, I have to share this with people like feng shui doesn't make your life perfect. It just helps you become the person you want to be. Even if that's like getting through the damn day, you know what I mean? Or like whatever it is that you need for that any given day. Right. I think that's really special and generous of you, Ashley, to say to the world, like feng shui didn't make my life perfect. And it working these principles, having mantras, having mudras, having, having nighttime practices, praying to the moon, like meditating yoga, all I do all these things. And you know what? Like they don't stop. They don't stop life from happening. They just, they make me strong when the obstacles come. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Right. So right before we jump into your story of 2020, I want to talk about one of my favorite parts of the book. You talk a lot about faith and trust and waiting and the sacred pause, which is essentially that you're going to do all these things. You're going to have the mantra. You're going to set the intentions. You're going to have the feng shui energy map. You're going to change the color and do this. You're going to know what you're going for. And you know what? It might take months, a year to get here. And something you talk about is like being really enjoying the weight, sitting in that weight and knowing that life is for you and coming to you. Yeah. And then not only that, but like seeing the signs that it is coming to you, because even if it's a small little thing, like, let's say, you know, I know a lot of people like, well, if you get a $20 check or you don't have to pay that hundred dollar fine, like celebrate every little thing, because if you're not celebrating everything, you could just be 
you, you could be missing it. You know, like that's part of the journey is like, you could miss an opportunity if you're not paying attention. Right. Which God, no, I really believe that because when I am in a depressing state or a depressed state, I'm missing all, I'm putting a negative spin on all kinds of things. I'm putting a negative spin on the $20 check. Cause I wish it was 200. I mean, whatever is yeah. happening. Right. And it's like, I'm missing, I'm missing that celebration that like, yeah. Go ahead. And you know, like most of what happens in the world, we can't see it's, it's like the unseen, like gravity, you know, gravity exists. You can't see it. You know, that if you scream sound travels, but you can't see it like there, you can't see how the world is aligning to make your things come to fruition, but you just have to trust that like it is happening. That's right. Beautiful. All right. So now we're going to shift gears and I, this is your trigger warning audience and take it or leave it. And, um, Ashley, tell, tell me about what, the the loss that you suffered in 2020. Yeah. Well, thanks for actually wanting to talk about it because I feel like baby loss is so taboo. People don't want to talk about it. And you know what? I was on the other side. I had a friend who lost her baby and I was like, oh, I don't want to see that. If I see that, then the energy will come into my life, you know? Mm. So I think it, and by talking about it, so many other people come forward. Like that was my experience too. I lost my baby. So what happened was I had been trying for a couple years to get pregnant very casually, but definitely trying. And I turned 40. And so I got pregnant and I was like, yay, this worked out. Perfect. Finally got pregnant 40. This is going to be good. My son was three at the time and everything was great. Everything was great. We found out we were having a girl while we were at the beach in Florida and we were, it was like one of the happiest days of our life. My husband really wanted a girl. My, my son wanted a daughter. We named her ocean pretty quickly because my son's name was snow. And we were like, so I had seen a spiritual advisor. This is really strange, but, um, this girl activation vibration, I had, a meeting with her. And I was like, like, do I have a baby coming to me? And she's like, you have an ancient soul coming to you. Who's going to completely change the direction of your life. So I was like, this baby is an ancient soul. What name can we give her that would hold the weight of, you know, that so we named her ocean and we had referred to her as ocean. We saw her, um, like at the anatomy scan and she was perfect. Like it was perfect. Okay talk about trusting your intuition. So I stopped feeling some movement, but it was my second baby. And I'm like, I'm not going to be that paranoid person, you know? So I, but I did, I messaged my doctor, the nurse, and the nurse is like, it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Don't worry about it. Well, you know, I messaged my doula because this time I wanted to have a beautiful birth. So I got myself a doula. My doula is like, you know, I'm sure it's fine. If I have time, I'll come over with the Doppler. And she never messaged me back and she never came over. And I had a regular and how appointment. Many months, how many months pregnant? Seven. You? you were seven. I was seven. And then I had a regular appointment coming up and I was like, it's fine. You know, I'll just go to the appointment. Well, you know, I swear to God, I knew, I swear to you, I knew. And I just didn't follow up with anyone because I didn't, I wanted to, you know, not hear what this situation was. So when I went, the nurse, 
couldn't find the heartbeat. And by this point, your belly's big, your baby's right there. You, you should not have trouble finding the heartbeat. And then I went back for, you know, to look at the, the, and you know, the thing they use for the anatomy scan, like just to really see what's going on. And the baby, like, I'll never forget was dead, like, like curled up, died. She died. So then it never occurred to me like, holy shit. You mean I have to give birth? Like I had to give birth. And at the time I was like, like in your baby dies, that's one thing. And then to think you have to go through the trauma, like birth is hard. It's so hard, but usually there's a payoff. So it makes it all worth it. But now I don't even have a payoff. So I don't know how detailed you want me to be, but I will. uh, Let me just tell you, because maybe it'll help another person who's listening. I went to the hospital. I live down South now. I begged, I begged, please give me a DNA. Please just make this. I just want to get home to my baby. Make this stop. A DNA is like for anyone who doesn't know if you have an abortion, it's how you get the baby out. But because I'm in the South, they don't have that option down here. They don't have the equipment at the hospital. So I labored and I gave birth. And honestly, it was like a very beautiful, natural birth. My doula came and it was horrific, but it was also like, um, you know, like the least I can do is like, I can do, I was like, I can do this. And I was very proud of myself. No one else, like it's trauma after trauma after trauma. So I just delivered this baby vaginally without medication and nobody said like, good job because the baby's dead, you know? So like, Mm. um, so let me see, where am I going? I'm happy in the end that I gave birth to this baby because I probably will never have another vaginal birth. So in that sense, like, so I found a lot, like, this is me, Ashley, in the present looking back, like I have gratitude that I had that experience and it was with her, you know? And then I'm happy that I got to hold her and connect with her. And, you know, I wish I had taken a picture of holding her hand, but I was scared. Like the whole thing was scary, but I'm happy in the end, the way that played out. I want to say like, for any women listening who have got, who's gone through this or something similar, like my hospital an OBGYN, they gave me a medication for Zoloft and they were like, bye, here you go. I'm like, okay. It wasn't until a friend reached out because her friend had given her a support group information. So I like two months after I had the baby started going to a support group. So I just want people to know like Rachel's gift is a really good support group. If any woman's going through with this, it's zoom meetings. You don't have to talk, you don't have to participate, but it helps to be amongst other women who have gone through it. And some men are on it too. And it's like, you know, people, there's nothing like being in a community or in a room full of women who know exactly how you feel. Like when you feel depressed or hate because your friend had a baby and you're like, like hate and you know it's not logical but you know all the all the feelings that come up um and anyway like the only way i got through this was that all my friends connected me to women who have been through it and one woman Laura in New York she 
referred me to someone at Yale, the head of um, like placenta studies at Yale. And he looked at my placenta and told me what happened. I had a small placenta and it's the number one reason why babies die because they can't get the nutrients that they need. So if you know that you have a small placenta, you take the baby out as early as you can so that the baby has a chance of surviving. But I didn't know. So my baby died. Um, and like knowledge is power because everyone told me, oh, it's, it was COVID. That's what the hospital tried to tell me. Like my doctor, OBGYN, everyone blamed it on COVID. And that's why I had my placenta an- analyzed. So I also realized I had placenta accretia. I don't know if you know what that is. It's like when your placenta is retained and when they rip it out, the muscles in your body, like you bleed excessively. So I had blood transfusions and like, I almost died. My blood pressure dropped, but whatever. So the next time I have a baby, if that, if I should ever be so lucky, I would have to have a C-section and have the best surgeons and be on hand for the worst happening, which would be a hysterectomy. But through all of it, like, the thing that helped me with connect is connection with other people, but trying to find podcasts where people were talking about it. It's such a taboo subject. There was one podcast that I found to be honest, and it was trying to like, I don't even want to say the name of the podcast, but it to me was like bullshit because I'm like, it was just trying to make put a good spin on it. I'm probably at the point now where I can handle that because I can appreciate things about, you know, right. That happened. But one of the things, so when I got home, I was just laying in my house for a month straight. Like, I mean, really I was in my house for longer than that, but like, I could not get off the couch for a month. But the first thing I did was like, oh my God, I got to throw things out and I got to clean my space and I have to clear my mind. And like, so then I started the process of like changing my space to help me get through the moments that I, you know, that I was going through and I'm still doing that. Right. But yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with that, with me and with us. I, um, have so much respect for you for you and Thomas and Snow, your family, for other women and men and couples that are going through this. You know, I just have tremendous heart, love, respect, admiration for for the process, you know? Um, I think it is a grief like no no other, and I certainly can't relate, and I don't know what it's like. but the compassion and the empathy I feel is, is real. And you are the, the one of three women I know back to back who this happened to this year, uh, in 2020 at seven months pregnant, all three of you. Um, so, so I am really, I've become when the third woman that I know came forward with this, I, I thought like, I, I'm interested, like I needed to know more about how it feels, how I can support, how I can be there for women going through this. So thank you for all of that. Um, were there any unexpected, I mean, it's all unexpected. Okay. Yeah. But, but were there any really surprising thoughts and feelings that came to you in this process? Well, the stupid thing is right after this happened, I was like, what am I going to do with my life? I need to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And it's like, 
you crazy pants, do nothing. You need to do nothing right now. So I took from September until January and I was off social media and I like did nothing. I read poetry and I felt like, I kind of felt like I did back in college when you're like, wow, the whole world is open to me. I don't know why, but it just was like connecting back to what I loved, I guess, and having this time to do it. Beautiful. That was surprising. Um, yeah, that was the most surprising thing for me. Right. And you had that spiritual advisor who told you that she is going to change the course of your life. Yes. Can I tell you when I heard that, I was like, what if it's something horrible? Why would I think that, you know, but I felt that. And after I reached out to her and I was like, you told me I was going to have a baby. Like everything worked out. You told me it was feminine energy, whatever. It all worked out. Why did my baby die? Like why? And she (laughs) responded with a voice message. And she was like, you know, I cannot tell you things like that. It was all meant to be. She didn't see that because if she saw that, like, you know, it could change. I don't want to say it's for a reason because that's something that really triggers women who have had loss. But for me, I need to find the why in the situation to help me feel okay, basically. So, you know, I have to assume that this was like meant to be, I did all the things that I don't know that I would think one does after experiencing trauma. I I saw Reiki person, acupuncture, astrologist, psychic, numerologist. Like I went through all the things like in search of why, or like what my purpose is and, you know, just like diving deep into self-discovery and yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. And I I think you're, you know, yes, there, there are different stages of grief. So please, if you're listening and you are in the beginning stages of grief, take what I'm about to say and throw it in the garbage and set it on fire. (laughs) But I know that there's a sixth stage of grief and that sixth stage of grief, this is not mine. This is, I can't, cannot remember the doctor's name who talks about this, but the sixth stage of grief is making meaning out of what happened, right? Yeah. So it's the sixth stage for a reason, because we have to go through one through five. Um, but, but that making meaning out of it, you know, it, it is some place that when, and if we get there, there's deep healing in it. And it sounds like you're, yeah, go ahead. There's, I mean, that's why Rachel's gift started. The woman who started Rachel's gift, the support group for women going through this, um, lost her baby. And then the facilitators, the like professional licensed facilitators lost their babies. And then other women, um, in my group are starting to do things for people. Like, I mean, I mean, I have chills thinking about it because it makes a difference when you start finding purpose and that purpose is helping other people in any way, even in talking about it, it really truly can change someone's healing process. Yeah. I think one of the best things we can do for each other is connect and share. Honestly, this is a huge service that you're doing. And, and you know what else I did therapy two days a week, like for a while. And I had two support groups and I talked to my friends every day and I actually stopped 
socializing with everyone because everything everyone said triggered me. So I just needed time to heal. And also there are support groups on Facebook. Um, I just want to say this, if women are listening who've been through it, that people told me to join right away. And so I joined it and it was filled with pictures of dead babies. And I was so mad about that. I was like, why, why would I ever want to see this? You know, cause I was still living in the fresh trauma, but now I'm like, let me see your baby. Let me love on your baby and acknowledge that your baby existed and, you know, like support you. So now I see the purpose. So now I'm in the groups and like, I can recommend the book. It's okay to, it's okay to not be okay. I believe it's called, it really helped me get through the very early stages, but yeah, like you said, like you're not ready for everything right away. It's just go back to it. Maybe. Right. Be angry. Don't look at the picture, right? Like we have hate to go, the baby, hate, hate the woman, the baby, hate the, right. do it, you know, right. yes. it's irrational, but it's okay. Like, you know, it's okay. Right. And I love that we spent a portion of this, this podcast talking about, you know, good energy and good thoughts and high vibe. And it's like, well, when you go, when life hits you, when, when things like this happen, um, you know, it's not, that's not, that's not what you're going for. You just you, feeling the feelings is what you're going for. We're feeling all the feelings and supporting yourself. So whether that means not talking to everyone who texts you to wish you well, because it takes energy to do that. And you need all the energy you can get to be, you have to be selfish to get you yourself through something. And if that means like getting a goddamn clothes, you know, like cozy blanket, because you're going to sit on your couch for a week. Like you just need to support yourself to do whatever you need to do. Mm, beautiful. And what were, what, what were some of the things early on Ashley, and even now that were helpful to you from your friends and family, people who hadn't been through it, what was helpful? Hey, people are so well-meaning. Like, I want to preface this with that. Yes. And I love all of my friends who reached out. I love everyone. And I know everyone means well, but like people would send religious items to me. I'm not religious, but okay. So it depended who it was from. (laughs) If people sent me like, like my aunt, she sent me something beautiful. It was like Jesus holding a baby. I'm not Christian, but I'm like, that's an, that makes me feel good. If there was some person, like I believe in reincarnation that, that actually makes me feel better. But I know that my aunt that made her feel better. And when she sent it to me, she, that was like her way of comforting me. However, I, when people send me like religious stuff, because they assume that I believe in heaven, I hate to say this. I love you. Whoever said no, this no, to me, but- you know, I <laughs> yeah. love you, but it, it wrecked me. Receiving that book wrecked me. I was like, I don't want to imagine my baby in heaven playing without me. Like my baby's coming back to life, like reincarnation. That's what made me feel better. So, um, and then the flowers at first were nice. And then I'm like, I live in a funeral home. Like I never want to see another flower arrangement, Mm. (laughs) but I'll tell you what was amazing. My friends who swooped in the day I came home, didn't ask me what I wanted, dropped off food at my house. Like my friend who delivered groceries to my house because she knew I wasn't going to go grocery shopping. Those friends that are like, took care of like 
the everyday things, the people who sent stuff for snow because I couldn't play with snow or, you know, just asking, I had friends ask every day, how are you doing? Like, even when everyone forgot about it, I still had those friends, like, how are you doing? And I know it's like tricky territory because, you know, everyone's different. Everyone gets triggered differently. But like when people don't ask how I'm doing, don't comment on the urn that I have on my mantle. It's a beautiful urn. I put it up there because, you know, I want to talk about it. When people don't ask me about it, it makes me feel worse. It makes me feel really sad. Like it's as if I feel like people are saying life is normal. Like it'll never be normal for me again. And so I like to talk about it because I like to acknowledge her that she existed because if I don't talk about it, then it's as if it never happened. Right. I think that's one of the common misconceptions. Thank you for all of that. That was really helpful. It's like food. When, when in doubt, guys, food. Yeah. Food. When and uh, I had another friend who gave me a blanket and socks and I was like, yes, I cuddled in that blanket every day. Like it meant so much. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, thank you for sharing all of that with us. And I, what was I just going to say? Fully food. when in doubt food, when in doubt food, (laughs) maybe wine. And, (laughs) and, and you bring up a, a really good point that I've heard. I think it's a common misconception that, you know, we're so afraid of, we're so afraid of upsetting a person. We're so afraid of saying the wrong thing mm-hmm. that we often say nothing at all. And I get it. Yeah. And I get but- it too. I totally, I do it sometimes, but, but what's interesting is that I've learned from people who have had really big loss that what they desperately want is to talk to at, for people to ask questions. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, I have like tried to initiate conversations with some friends because I'm desperate to talk about it. And then they don't continue the conversation or ask questions or engage me because, and I understand because like you said, I do it too. Like my friend's friend died during my experience. And I was like, what do I say to her? Like, it's hard being on that other side. It is. I understand, but it is. And you know what? I've really tried. I really tried. My my cousin lost her son. He was 23 losing. A, she lost her baby, you know, and um, she she really taught me like when people don't mention him, it feels like they've forgotten him or they don't want, you know, and and so yeah. I really I try to ask questions like tell tell me about your dad, brother, uncle, son, child, like, tell me about how that experience was. Tell me about how you're feeling now, you know? Yeah. And you know what? My son talks about her every day. We call her baby Oshi. He's like, you know, like instead of getting a baby sister, he got a, a, like a bear that they gave me in the hospital. And I said, your baby sister wanted you to have this. She's sorry. She can't be here with you. She's here. Like he doesn't understand the concept. He told me he wanted to go to outer space to find his sister. Like, I don't know how to explain it to him, you know, but he talks about her all the time. And it's like, kids are so sweet. Like his little friend who's five years old said, I heard about your sister. That's really sad. And like, even just that is like, blows me away. It's like, Oh, any kind of acknowledgement. (laughs) Yeah. Any kind of acknowledgement is just like for all of us is like everything. Right. Right. Yeah. We just need to get out of our own way in our own heads and just like show, show up for another person. 
Yeah. Yeah. So is there any last thing you'd want to say about that to the women going through it to, you know, I just say like, even if you're not someone who's like the person to seek out therapy or the person to talk, you know, like to expose whatever it is you're going through just by simply finding a support group and being in the presence of other women, it will make you feel so much better because you're not alone and you we're all in it together. Unfortunately we are, but it's like, yeah, you're not alone. I love you. There's a whole other group of women who love you and will support you and just, just come into the presence of other, other women. Beautiful community support. Yes. And, and look like I just want to be a voice for it's not your fault. It's yeah. just not your fault. And I, yeah. I don't know if that's something that gets absorbed, but you know, I think when we talk about things like feng shui and when we talk about intentions and when we talk about manifestation and when we talk about high vibe, I know that when I was very sick, I had this idea that being sick must've been my fault on some level because maybe like calling it into your life somehow. Yeah, exactly. So I just want to yeah. say you didn't, you didn't call this into your life. <laughs> yeah. 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 And last question, how are you, how, have you done anything to your home or inside your home that has helped with this? Yeah. So let me tell you, I, we lived in our bedroom with this crib in our bedroom and like this God awful wall color that I hated. And then we were like, let's give ourselves a bedroom makeover. So like getting the crib out and going, Hey, we could buy another crib if we need to. And like kind of resetting the space to, you know, like forge a new path with this new energy of our bedroom. Like it's good for romance. It's good for like not feeling sad every time you see the crib or like the things that trigger you. And just, we really made a bedroom that we love. And yeah, I'd say like changing out the, the getting rid of that sad energy. I mean, you're always going to be sad, but like some triggers that you don't need, you know? Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. So I want to just do something quick. I want to invite everyone right now to, and you, Ashley and us together to take 30 seconds to just breathe and send light to all of the mamas and papas and babies facing similar challenges right now, or in the past or 25 years ago or whenever. And I just want to invite all of us to close our eyes and breathe a lot of love in. And as we breathe out, send that love to everyone who needs it for 30 seconds. Thank you. Can I say if anyone's listening to this and they just want someone to talk to, like message me, you can talk to me. Amazing. Yeah. Where can we all find you? Um, you can find me at feng shui ash on Instagram or ashleycantley.com. Yeah. And they can write to you through either of those places. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. 
Amazing. Thank you so much for listening in to Healing Out Loud. Be sure to stay in touch through Instagram at Shay Jackie or my website, JackieShay.com. I have a special complimentary offer for people interested in deepening their knowledge of trauma. Write to me for that. I will hook you up. I hope you're able to implement what you learned this week, and I'll be back soon with more fun and love. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye.